All right. Hello and welcome to Realcom's second webinar of 2024. I'm Chuck Nicewanger, your Realcom host for today's topic, the unbelievable underutilization, years of overlooking low voltage tech's potential in building efficiency. Thank you for tuning into the live session or viewing this as a recording. This is a fantastic and fascinating topic where a technology that is already proven to lower utility costs, improve net operating income, and significantly reduce the carbon footprint in large office structures and uh, multiple different types of buildings. And it's only starting to get traction in the commercial real estate industry. We'll explore why and talk about that more. But before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience. First of all, thank you to our uh, live attendees. We encourage you to use the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen and submit questions or comments. We'll pass those on to the panel and then they'll work them into the discussion as best as we can. It's always better when you're an active participant, so we do love hearing from you. Uh, if we don't get to your question during the webinar, uh, someone will follow up with you after the event. In the handout section, you'll find more detailed bios of our panelists and the full slide deck uh, with a lot more information about our sponsors and some of the more complex slides you'll be able to take a look at a little closer. And for the best webinar experience, we do recommend closing out other internet applications, especially streaming videos that steal from your bandwidth. This discussion is just an introductory primer for more detailed panels at uh, Realcom, IvyCon in June. So I do recommend taking notes and bringing your questions uh, to the conference if we can. I'll, be, I'll give you more information on that at the end of the webinar. If you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound, video quality, the best thing to do is to disconnect and then reconnect on the webinar link again. You can also email ian at ithompson, that's I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, at realcom.com for help during the event, but don't worry, you won't miss anything since you'll receive a link of the recording. And I've also put my uh, email address at the bottom of this screen in case you're watching this as a recording and you think of a question and you'd like to get it to the panel send it to me i'll pass it along this educational webinar is supported by our outstanding sponsors august burris eliminates the need for 120 volt ac power in your workplaces uh, explore battery powered solutions with their wide ranges of uh, engineering products and solutions and they will tell us that uh, work habits are never going to be the same Power Design, a design, build, multi-trade contractor with dynamic projects nationwide. Through true integration, they reduce waste, compress schedules, and streamline the construction experience, all while optimizing performance and quality. Good company to know and have on your team. Molex is enabling next-generation technology for data centers, industrial environments, consumer devices, and more building collaborative synergies that drive innovation forward. You'll see, you'll see how that applies to commercial real estate. And we are grateful for all these contributions by these vendors to our industry, to Realcom, and to helping us educate our viewers in sessions like these. So if you're ready to explore the return on investment of low voltage, power optimization, office redesign, I highly recommend you include these companies as part of your vendor evaluation process. To kick this webinar off, I want to introduce Jim Young. Jim Young. He's the CEO and founder of Realcom. So, Jim, uh, you've had quite a ride over the last 20 years. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I First of all, thank you for letting me pop into this webinar. Um, 
I do it to you a couple times a year <clears throat> on those topics that are kind of near and dear to my heart. And if there was ever a, a topic or a technology that has been one of the best kept secrets of our industry, it is low voltage. Okay. And it's somewhat frustrating. I, I watch the world run around talking in very vague, basic terms about carbon and global, you know, global warming. And 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 I, I kind of feel like I'm sitting out there for 20 years, you know, the guy on the mountain kind of trying to get somebody's attention or you know, on the desert island, you know, when the plane's flying over, saying, look at us, look at us, right? On this topic of low voltage. You know, I, I understand the, the desire to generate more electricity. I, I understand the importance of electrical vehicles, but I don't understand why the built environment, which constitutes 44% of the global energy spend, has not looked at electrifying or, or low voltage flying um, our, our buildings. I just don't understand it. So the picture we're looking at right here was, a, I took a delegation of folks to uh, Asia in 2004. That would be 20 years ago. It was right around the February timeframe. And uh, this delegation, we went from Tokyo, Seoul, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing, Kuala Lumpur, and Singapore, looked at every smart building we could possibly find. So this gentleman right here, worked for Panasonic or Matsushita, that was the parent company. So we were at Matsushita's corporate headquarters in Japan. The bottom floor was the Panasonic Innovation Center. And so it was just exciting. They had smart houses and smart buildings and all sorts of technologies that we had not seen in the United States. So this gentleman right here took an RJ45, look, looking right uh, underneath by that socket, and plugged it into that desk lamp or table lamp. And where it powered it via low voltage, but then on, on the monitor up it came and said, you know, low voltage desk lamp manufacturer, on yes, you know, would you like to download the drivers? And I, and being an IT guy, I said, oh my gosh, that's that's just like a printer or a scanner or a workstation, right? That I'm I'm, I'm attaching a new uh, device to the network and it's incredibly easy. And and we just stood there stunned, right? And we said. Every electromechanical device in a building is simply a device that can be attached to a network and hopefully powered by low voltage. So this started the journey. And Dave Clute and I from Cisco sat there for an hour debating whether or not we would have enough IP addresses. And we were talking about IPv6 yeah. way before IPv6 was a thing. So that's where my journey started. And it's 20 years old. I can't tell you how excited I am to have this webinar today. Uh, and then maybe show the next slide. So in 20 years, we've gone from this to this webinar and then this additional group of folks um, who are on our low voltage advisory group. And if, if anybody watching has interest in this, please let us know. Uh, some of the people who are on this webinar who are not part of this group will be part of this group next week. And it will be this small group of, of, of powerhouse people that will, I believe, create one of the biggest impacts to the built environment uh, in years. I, I really, truly believe that. All right, thank you, Jim. I think I think it's a great message too, and I think the the networking, the the community that gets built at Realcom uh, is, is you you build lifelong uh, relationships and friendships, and you all learn together, you all share together. I think you said it earlier. It feels like there's no competitors. We're all just trying to solve a big problem. So uh, let's move on. I appreciate it, Jim. Thank thanks you, for hopping in. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye -bye. Thank you. Our moderator is Kim Johnson. She's the Chief Marketing Officer with MHT Technology and former president of the POE Consortium. Kim, welcome. Yes. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, Chuck, for the introduction. And I hello, love it. welcome hey, we everyone. Have a good, we have a good sample size, so I want to take about 30 yeah. seconds and run this Ooh. webinar. So let's do it. Can't wait to 
So here's what I want uh, for all you, all the live audience. If you can just give us an idea about what uh, your role is in your company, it helps us to tailor the conversation just a little bit, Kim, uh, especially in the second section when you see building engineers, cyber and uh, IT, all of them may oftentimes, and even ESG and sustainability, oftentimes they're uh their focus is what what can we do next and the and the panel you're about to interview has some answers to that so it looks good all right thanks ian let's see the results and that'll help you a little bit so there you got a good a, a pretty good spread so it, half the audience is executive in the engineering it group and in esg and uh and then you've got vendors consultants and i would again encourage all of them to consider that uh, low voltage uh, advisory council. So, uh, Kim, I'll get out of your way. You got a great panel, so I appreciate your help and uh, have, a, have a good thank time. You. See you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Chuck, for the introduction um, to the audience. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Um, I love the alliteration today, the unbelievable underutilization, uncovering the hidden potential. And like Jim referenced, this technology it's not new technology in a lot of ways, but there's new applications. So I'm excited to see where this conversation will go today. We've got quite a diverse set of speakers and companies joining us. Personally, my background is in power over ethernet technology. I've been in this space in some way for almost a decade now, which is sort of incredible, but POE won't be the only focus of today's conversation. We're, we're inclusive of what is low voltage technology, how is it evolving to meet building needs, and where is it gonna go? And like uh, Chuck referenced, I just completed my first ter my term as president of the PUE Consortium, which is a new group that's focused on bringing companies together who work on this backbone to advocate, standardize, train, and um, work together to promote really a one of one way you can achieve a low voltage backbone and one of the first things we did at the PUE consortium almost right away was develop a relationship with realcom which resulted in a dedicated pavilion at their annual event last summer to great success so look for um potentially something coming up this next year for their event in tampa definitely don't want to miss it it's a fantastic event Throughout my almost decade in the industry, I've witnessed and participated in the evolution of this technology. As a marketer, I have this unique position where I'm actually responsible for understanding market trends, growth challenges, and the transformations that are coming and have happened. So I'll be honest, initially when I joined, the hurdles seemed daunting. How do you revolutionize an industry like building design and construction which has in a lot of ways not seen tremendous fundamental change over the past century. And then how do you also demonstrate an ROI of a new technology without having extensive case studies? Luckily, we're seeing changes here. So today we're going to explore the progress made, areas ripe for future developments. We're gonna see the growing demand, which I believe is being driven by several macro factors. You're gonna hear about that merging of operational technology, the OT, and information technology, the IT. We're gonna talk about you know, the convergence of devices becoming more energy efficient and low voltage technology having advancements in their power delivery systems. 
we're going to talk about sustainable urban development and potentially even touch on sort of the creation of human-centric spaces, which is part of the way that our real estate can stay relevant in this post-pandemic world. So with the wealth of perspectives coming up on low voltage technology and power, I want to just dive right in and not take up any more time and let our first speaker, who you should know if you don't, this will be a wonderful introduction to him. Farouk Aslam, I want to invite you to join me and I'll be handing over the reins to you here. He's the CEO and president of Sinclair Holdings, which has, as a company, has really done a lot to transform the space um, over the past six years, I believe that it's been in existence. So thank you so much for being here, Farouk. Thank you for inviting me, Kim, and so nice to see you again. Um, I've known Kim for several years now. We've worked together on some projects as well. And we are currently also working on a very large project. Uh, I'm trying to, okay, so a lot of you know me as the owner, founder of um, Sinclair Hotel. Um, it's a Marriott Autograph Hotel in downtown Fort Worth. Thus, my company, Sinclair Holdings, which is the uh, ownership company for this hotel. I do have a separate hat I wear of Sinclair Digital. We are a design-build firm which designs low-voltage systems um, across the country, actually across the world, and um, we provide complete um, systems. I have become a big fan of um, low-voltage DC because um, as I was developing uh, properties uh, and LEDs were becoming very predominant, I'm realizing that most or almost all of LEDs are low-voltage devices. DC devices. So why do we use um, AC power to, to light up these uh, LED devices? So that's what got me on this journey. Um, and it's been a great journey because as I got into it, uh, the potential is not just the lighting uh, at Sinclair. It's all the motorized blinds, TVs in our bathroom mirrors, many bars in our hotel, and traditional low-voltage devices like your um, access points, access control in the building, uh, phone systems, those are always there. Um, we are finding more potential now um, to, as the budget of POE is increasing. As we all know, it started early 2000 at 15 watts. Now it's 90 watts. Uh, lately, we are also um, tinkering with a new technology called XPOE. That's 120 watts. Uh, still low voltage category. We are able to do some very high luminosity lights with that technology. So it just, um, it keeps getting better for us and we are designing more projects. Um, we see scopes around schools, office buildings, warehouses. Uh, we are just finishing a very large uh, 400,000 square feet distribution center, very excited, 40 feet high ceilings. So the potential is really becoming unlimited out there. Um, we are uh, getting projects outside the U.S. Just finished an amazing model room project in Porto, Portugal, a five-star hotel. Um, so we are seeing more and more inquiries for this technology. We are still having to educate MEP firms, um, which, like in any brand new technology, starting from EVs, people are reluctant in the beginning. They want to see more and more projects open and working and without any issues. That's understandable. I think we are getting there. Millions and millions of square feet of real estate out there is now using low voltage DC power um, for lighting predominantly, but 
um, more devices are coming in. Uh, we are very confident to bring in um, air conditioning systems in the near future to run on this low voltage DC technology as well. Um, a slide you see right now is a very small section of a 400,000 square feet distribution center uh, in Texas. We're very excited. You see the little black boxes in the picture. Uh, one of those can cover 10,000 feet, 10,000 square feet area. These are high bay lights. Um, we even think we can do even a lot more than this now with the newest uh, technology we're tinkering with. Uh, it's very, very promising. Um, the results are excellent. Power savings are measurable. Um, we are uh, we are really seeing between 30 to 40 percent savings in energy consumption on these lighting. Um, the controls are what's really gets our clients very interested because um, this is built-in controls, which traditionally you have to get third-party controls to come in. Uh, this is a typical infrastructure for this. This what you see in this picture is the entire low voltage head end for the entire 400,000 square feet uh, building that we are doing. It's uh, uh, power distribution is using digital electricity. That's what in the rack you see that green box there, and um, bringing these lights on, getting the sensors to work. It's pretty fascinating to see how they come on. This client wanted lights to go dim uh, as a forklift goes through, and ahead of you, the lights brighten up, and it's really fascinating to see them do that. You know, <clears throat> I will leave the floor open for any questions. All right, I'm going to hop back in and try and keep an eye on that, but I have some questions. You've touched a little bit on how innovations have helped you achieve more in these buildings. Could you take a little more time and talk to us about what innovations your team has really, with a little more detail, what innovations you've achieved over the past six years, and maybe also how you prioritize what to innovate. Um, you know, when there's all these different ways we could go, uh, how do you pick where to put your energy, and then what specifically have you um, been most proud of in your innovation? So uh, in my case, I uh, lighting was a low-hanging fruit. That was the easiest thing to do six years ago. Uh, since I have been a developer for good 20 years, I do walk in my buildings and see everything installed, uh, built from the concrete slab to walls and then the ceiling and then all the electrical work. I see so much opportunity with this technology where data and power are riding on the same cable. You can bring so much intelligence into a building, which traditionally took two trades to accomplish. So my next a pet project is to make the air conditioning in an entire building run on uh, low voltage um, uh, DC power with Ethernet cables where the data. So um, if some of the, the audience here understands how an air conditioning, especially a VRF system is installed, you have an AC cord to connect a fan coil, the unit, and then a DC low voltage cable for controls. Um, and there are two different trades. Electrician comes in and installs the AC power and a low voltage contractor daisy chains the DC cable, the low voltage controls cable. Then there's a home run to a thermostat. We can condense that into a one trade, a low voltage trade that can simply plug in an ethernet cable and all the um, controls and power can ride on the same cable. To me, that is such a huge opportunity which eliminates electrical panels and also 
uh, eliminates literally a thermostat from the building, a standalone thermostat. We can bring all that functionality onto our wall controller, and we have done that in our Marcel Hotel project where uh, there are no thermostats in the room, no standalone thermostats. It's all integrated into a light controller. So you eliminate a $300 piece of hardware and you make the room look a lot nicer and cleaner, but it really bring intelligence and controls on your fingertips, basically. And just as a clarification, we got a question here from the audience. You actually can pull the data from POE as well, correct? That is correct. Uh, interestingly, our roadmap is um, using AI because in order for AI to work, you need a lot of data, a lot of data. And we are generating so much data from power going into a device, the device consuming power. Hypothetically, if a light bulb doesn't come on when you turn it on, that means that it's not consuming power. We can immediately send a, a message or email to the building engineer or a hotel GM, a certain light has gone out because it's not generating, uh, it's not consuming power when you turn it on. That is how minute the information is available to us, you know. Great, and I think we have time for one more. Um, would love to know generally, you know, from what you see in the market, obviously started off with hospitality, but are you seeing more opportunities in any particular vertical, such as, you know, office, whether it's class A or suburban, industrial, multifamily, any up and coming verticals um, that you're seeing on the horizon here that are adopting this technology? So we have done a couple of talks, proof of concept at schools, and we think schools could be the next big opportunity because not only can we do lighting, we can do all the USB-C charging ports on desks, you know. So it's very safe. Young students charging their laptops or iPads don't have to mess with the PDU, a power distribution strip there, and plugging into AC cords, you know. Uh, we think, and then we can also start to track how much power is being consumed at each desk, how, how many kids come without any charge in their laptops, you know. Uh, I think that's, uh, we are, we have a couple of school districts who are very interested, where it's a stored energy in batteries, distributes over this network to all the lights and charging ports, you know. We think that will be the next big revolution you'll see. Fantastic. Well, we'll certainly have more questions for you. Thank you, for. We'll bring you back at the end for Q&A. So to the audience, keep sending them in um, and we'll, we'll try to address them as we go. And with that, we're going to transition to our next speaker. So thank you so much. And I'm excited to welcome Elon. Elon Zakar is the CTO at Car Properties. He has been a guest here before, and we're going to have a dialogue today. So first, Elon, please give us a bit of an intro um, for anyone who's not familiar with you and, and your company. Hi, Kim. Thank you very much for having me. Um, Car Properties is an owner-operator of uh, commercial office buildings in uh, Washington, D.C., Boston, and Austin, Texas. We own and operate 6.2 million square feet, over 17 different properties, and we're majority held by uh, two institutional um, companies. Um, you know, one of the things that stands out at CAR is that uh, we have culture that is very um, innovation oriented and uh, wants to look forward at how uh, innovation and technology can help us. And a lot of that comes from our IT leadership. Um, uh, you know, so. From, I meant from, from our uh, executive leadership where it trickles down. So our board and our management are really 
helping us and want to understand how we can help them uh, better the business um, uh, through uh, cultivating an innovation maturity as well as adopting new uh, new technologies in the business. I think that what Carr really realized after a while was that uh, in order to provide success from your IT department, apart from its regular uh, security and uh, network and hardware and software and telephones, is how do we bring IT together and resolve uh, problems that are strategic to the business or help the business grow or are in the, the forecast of, of the business growth. And, and, and we built our innovation and technology lab and mainly the innovation and technology lab was to, uh, you know, to look at new, new technologies and play with new technologies that are out there, uh, lower costs of the company, uh, allow us to do construction development in a more flexible way and be able to shift and move uh, really quickly. So low voltage uh, for us, uh, specifically we talk about low voltage lighting, uh, came to mind and we've been playing with this for I'm going to say almost uh, two and a half to three years and you know for some of you that haven't seen uh, you know when, when you say drinking out of a fire hose um, you should google it up there are some very interesting and funny pictures that come up um, and, and, and this is what really it, it really is and we understood very quickly that why are we having 120 volt infrastructure uh, to power up a 14 volt light bulb that can produce a thousand lumens and, and and I'm not going to talk about technical over here because I'm, I can't compare and I cannot argue or or give you more insights than the people that are on this panel but we really understood that low voltage is less about the theory or the science or the actual applications but it comes down to voltage um, and, and, and really we can really apply this kind of technology and solutions uh, in the buildings and if we can do that, that would really help us as stand out uh, as an office operator. And that's why in many of our new projects, new construction development projects, either ground up where we're looking at the less um, the less intense spaces of the common areas. Uh, so, you know, parking lots, stairwells, uh, more of the common area or in our tenant or our building improvement projects, if it's locker rooms or gyms, where we're really considering and looking at low voltage and we even have plans and, and, and in order to implement in projects in 2024. So uh, that's what a fantastic overview and to hear about having this lab to test the technologies before bringing them into the field is really um you know such a smart way of doing it so is that is that how you were able to get how car was able to get low voltage lighting introduced at car properties or you know is this the way are there any other tips you have in terms of what helps get these projects in construction and development to leverage this technology so the way we did it is our lab has its own budget so we don't have to necessarily get the permission or request the the, uh, the approvals in order to implement a solution or play around with our technology so we ordered a couple of uh, light bulbs and a couple of light, light strips and installed it in our innovation lab we actually took out the existing lighting and replaced it with the low voltage lighting we then brought in our management and said what do you think about the lights? And they said, well, these are regular lights. I go, well, they're actually not regular lights. We took them to the back of the room. It says, all of these lights are powered by the switch. 
then we started talking about the value that that it actually brings you know anywhere from the sustainability side of it that you know we're using less copper and we're we don't have to run wires inside conduits and that we don't need a certified electrician to do this and we really saw the actual value um, and they said, okay, this, this is great, wonderful, let's bring in construction and development in here. So we brought in the construction and development, and they have a, a whole bunch of questions to ask. And, but, but, that, but even then, it becomes a little bit more complicated because they have to take that leap of faith. Because when they pick up the phone and talk to the architect, they talk to the, to the development or the construction company that we're working with, and they say, we're considering of doing low-voltage lighting, the immediate question is like, why? It works. Why do something new that you're not familiar with? So the lab really helps answer a lot of questions and people do come on a regular basis into the lab and want to test and see uh, what we can do. And we're getting some good questions here from the audience. Even though I have a few for you, I'm going to pivot. Um, we've got a couple technical, um, which I think you can answer probably pretty quickly. And then I want to get into this a little bit. You referenced already not having to use electricians and the question about unions came up. So a little foreshadowing there. But first, um, I'm going to give you two quick, uh, more technical questions. What cabling would be needed to be able to maximize XPOE 120 watts? And then there's also a question about, you know, does this technology help eliminate vampire loads? And maybe, um, you know, vampire loads could be quickly defined for the audience if you've got that in your back pocket. So, uh, like I said, I'm not the technical person, but I'm but I'm enough technical. So I'm the CTO, but I'm just going to let you know that understanding this technology required us to play with it, physically touch it, and play around with it. So for the first question, I can tell you that we did two things. One, we reduced the cost. We reduced from a what what use is used to usually for lighting a 14-2 wire, which is the thickness of the actual wire we brought it down to an 18.2. If that is if we want to run, centralize all of our controller boxes. The way the, the way this technology works when it comes to lighting is you take a regular LED light that actually has a controller built into it, or you can order it without the controller, and then you have a, a, a junction box. So your ethernet cable runs to this junction box and the junction box connects to the light. The junction box can be either how Farouk showed us at the rack level, or the junction box can be right near the light bulb, depending on where you want to be. So it could be either an 18-2 cable, or it can be a ethernet cable that you're going to be using. Again, much lower volt, much lower thickness of uh, and usage of copper. Thank you. I think that's helpful. Um, and certainly there's always the ability for some of our team members on different um, teams here to respond to questions that come up or that are a little more technical, but that was great. Um, I do have a, maybe stepping back, let's ask a little more strategically. Um, do you consider technology as a design element during the schematic design for building or space? So maybe a little bit about your philosophy and your approach that you found has worked best in incorporating technology like this that requires, you know, it's not something you stick on at the end, it has to be incorporated. So, um, you know, do you consider technology as a design element and if so, you know, what philosophically do you think is the best approach? So like I said before, the, the nice, the good thing about cars that were small, the bad thing about cars that were small, the fact that we're small, we developed this culture internally that really we, IT or technology is spread across horizontally across all of our departments. So when it comes to development, when it comes to construction, um, 
IT or the IT department today is in, included in, in every project. And the reason being is because we address AV, we take care of all security, and we also address all of the networking requirements. And because we wrap it around in a cyber solution, then we also have to incorporate, we have to, all of our vendors, lighting, uh, BMS, EMS, uh, you know, shades, everything that requires an IP today has to come through IT. And because it comes through us, because it connects to our network, our single network in our buildings, we're involved in the conversations. So we're not afraid to ask the question, by the way, you're using these kind of lighting systems. Have you considered you know, low voltage? Why are, we using, why are we using this expensive controlling system where we can actually control it in a much easier way in another, in, in another format? Not always do we win the battle, but at least we're there to plant seed, which eventually I'm hoping that will become a, a standard or a requirement or a code that uh, that's, that's where we're gonna have to go. Thank you. I think we might have time for one more. If you're able to to keep it a little bit brief. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about low voltage benefits already, uh, but it also does have some drawbacks. Can you talk about the ones your team has to address and that others should consider? And there was a question regarding um, just generally anything around union considerations and um, city pushback. So, you know, a little bit about what you asked before with regards to pushbacks uh, and unions is uh, if you, you have to deal with the union of, of the electricians, but you can also, you would also have to deal with the unions of the low voltage, right? So you're going to give it to one union or you can give it to another union. The other option is that you can, you can use, uh, you know, there's multiple levels of savings, right? You know, electrician, you can do conduit, and you can do materials, right? So even if you have to resolve back to the electrician because of the union component, you're still going to lower materials and costs on installation and implementation and even on, on, the, on, on the code requirements. Um, but, but, but I think that the, the, the goal, I know the, the other components, that the, the other question that you asked, the, the problems that we have with it is that, A, yeah, we need to run more cable because there's limitations of, of data network, network, uh, network cables. So we can't take a, a 470 watt uh, you know, circuit and split it you know, across an entire parking lot. Uh, so so that, that becomes a problem. The other element that comes in that no one thinks about is the cyber component because every one of these light bulbs is uh, controlled individually and allows a huge level of flexibility, flexibility like Farouk said, um, it does open up a new cyber uh, threat that you have to then address and, and, and figure out how you're going to, uh, to address that situation when it comes. Thank you so much. I think we're out of time. So I'm going to thank you, Elon. We'll bring you back at the end, of course, and we're getting questions I think will be great for um, the full panel in the chat as well. So thank you to the audience. Um, now I would like to welcome our next speaker, who is Bob Kroon, CEO and founder of August Burris. And I'm going to turn it over to you. So I'll come back on um, when we've got time for a, little, a few questions here. Take it away, Bob. Uh, thank you, Kim. Uh, uh, we're rather new to this uh, space. Uh, I, August Burris is a, is a startup. Uh, what we're doing is we're focusing on the endpoints, uh, particularly workplaces where people work and, and the devices they use. And, and we're powering these with batteries and completely eliminating the need for 120 volt wiring or any cabling to an individual workplace. 
there's a, 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 a lot of value propositions to this that might not be obvious. Uh, first of all, like some others have mentioned, we can avoid permits and inspections. This is all uh, low voltage. That reduces the time to occupancy. Uh, we can reduce tenant improvement costs because in older buildings where the, well, let's say the electrical infrastructure is not what it ought to be, uh, uh, with battery power, uh, we, we can avoid in those costs. Uh, we can upgrade older or historical buildings that uh, are really difficult to change without structural changes. Uh, we can reduce peak energy loads. That, uh, that's going to be a big deal. Uh, California, in some cases, we understand that uh, the impact of peak energy can be as much as 30 to 70% of the cost of, of electricity. So anything that reduces peak energy is, it, it, it is going to be valuable. And uh, California has recently passed in, uh, rules, for example, to that uh, all HVAC is going to be electric uh, going forward. And that's going to create new peak loads that are going to occur in the winter rather than air conditioning peak loads in the summer. And by some estimates, it's going to be four to five times the size of the peak loads that you have today. Uh, the, we can provide power in desks, casual work areas, conference rooms, mobile displays. We can retrofit existing furniture. We can eliminate wiring individual workstations. And uh, we can eliminate cord clutter on the floor and, and trip hazards. And all of this enables quick, uh, uh, simple, quick moves uh, uh, if you want to rationalize your, your space. This may be an oversimplification, but I, I put this slide together to illustrate where we fit in the, in a, in the ecosystem. Uh, number one, uh, on the, what's going to happen is uh, uh, power, uh, we're going to generate power uh, either on the roof or over a parking lot or somewhere on the property using wind or solar and uh, incorporate battery storage. We can deliver that uh, with uh, PoE uh, or fault-managed uh, class four power. And uh, that's very important because we're at the in the third spot here at the endpoints and we can use uh, class four power and charge 24 batteries, which is enough to power 24 workstations from one receiver, uh, uh, class four receiver. And uh, uh, we're the only ones doing this at this point. Uh, don't expect that will last very well, long because we, we will have some competition. Uh, here, here are, you may not, um, understand this uh, uh, obviously, but uh, first off, everybody, every workstation, uh, everybody wants to reduce cord clutter. And I will, uh, I, I took a rather egregious example, but you see this in every every office in, in around the world. Um, traditional uh, uh, 120 volt power is typically re, uh, uh, limited to uh, 13 uh, receptacles but there's more, more devices than receptacles available. So people resort to power strips, extension cords, and other things. And so under everyone's desk, you see this cord clutter. With battery power, we make that go away. We make all of that go away. There are clean floors. And it's so post-pandemic, 
Um, the, if we're concerned with health and safety, um, this is a, a big a big deal. Everybody wants to reduce costs. Electrical contracting, the producer price index on that's been up is up 20, 26% in the last three years. Uh, you might not have realized there's a connection to workers' comp. Everybody wants to reduce accidents. Typically in the U.S., there are 800,000 falls uh, a year, and 31% of those are due to tripping over cords. Tripping over cords is the largest single category of, of fall uh, accidents. And of course, everyone wants flexibility. We want hybrid workspaces. We want to be able to reconfigure. We want to we uh, we want to work different ways because organizations are changing all the time. Uh, here's our product map as we see it today. Uh, if you look at in in my window the, at the center of the screen, we uh, we we have a, a a power pack here, a, ba a battery pack. It has two USB dash C uh, connections here, and then next to it is a battery, and this. It, can be hand, handled in a carry case. Now, this by itself is a product. And uh, so like in schools where uh, the kids are running out of power, uh, this is an immediate remedy. Uh, but it also, on the bottom side, there are a, a couple more connections and we can put this into docking stations, either for charging th this, or for integrating it into other pieces of furniture or fixtures. And uh, as you can see in the chart, we have uh, four different kinds of charging options. We have a little three-place desk charger. We can do a 12-place cart, a 24-place cart, um, or, or build charging into a, a, a lockable cabinet if somebody wants that. The, uh, uh, in furniture, we 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 know and and we have products. We can power sit stand desks. We can power induction phone chargers. We can power second monitors. Uh, and really, uh, and then we have a product line called Replay, which lets us um, retrofit furniture that you already have. To the left uh, in this slide, we have a couple products that uh, were. Uh, recently introduced, um, uh, we see uh, very big growth in, in displays and monitors, and uh, we know that we can cordlessly power those. We're also seeing the uh, the energy consumption come down uh, uh, dramatically. Uh, in December, ViewSonic introduced a 65-inch screen that uh, we can power with a battery. That's pretty incredible. Bob, Thank we're going to run out of time here if uh, okay. if I don't if I don't get I'd love to ask you just a few quick questions. Um, everyone will get a copy of the sure. slide deck afterwards as well. Um, I know you're a startup, so real quick softball question here. Are you VC backed or um, kind of what's the status of your of your startup? I've, I've uh, come from that world, too. <laughs> OK, no, we're uh, uh, we're not VC backed yet. Uh, but we would certainly be open to the right fit. Uh, we uh, we know we've done most of our product development, and it's time to scale uh, the business. Mm -hmm. And so that would be very helpful. Are you following the trend of domestic manufacturing for your product, or do you have a? Um, do you want to talk briefly about that? No, uh, we're everything we're making is made in West West Michigan. 
which which is uh, a great place for supply chain. We have all of our second uh, second tier suppliers are, are there, and uh, it's it it enables us to uh, have short lead times and and reduce no inventories. Yeah. And we actually got a question here from the audience that probably will come back to to everybody in the in the bigger group Q&A. But do these um, does your product or device uh, contribute at all to lead points? Do you have any um, have you done any research or any knowledge of how this would affect maybe, a, you know, the sustainability credentialing that buildings are looking for? I, I think there's a category, but I, 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 I I'm not. Um, I, I'm. How do I want to say? I haven't investigated that thoroughly as to what what you could could earn from this, uh, but it, it's probably the most sustainable thing you can do in power of anything, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and then um, maybe a, one last quick question here that came from the audience as well: How long does a battery pack work for when you're running two monitors and a laptop? Uh, our users are are telling us that, that they get an entire day out of it. The, the capacity is 200 watt hours, uh, mon 27 inch monitors, about 25 watt hours, and laptops are maybe 10. Um, other thing, sit stand desks, they use a lot of power, but for a short amount of time. So it's, it, we're, and, and no, most people don't really sit at their desk for eight hours straight anyhow. <laughs> so uh, what we're hearing is that we're sized probably appropriately. To, to get uh, one day's use, you can charge up, so you charge Fantastic. overnight. That sounds about right. Um, thank you so much, Bob. And we'll bring you back at the end for the group Q&A as well. So, um, you know, there's been some more questions popping up and we'll, we'll get to them eventually here. Um, I'm very excited to, um, of course, thank you, Bob. And then of course, welcome Trent. Uh, we've got Trent Morano, the SVP at Power Design, who will be talking to us today um, from, I believe, sunny Florida. So thank you, Trent. I'm going to turn it over to you until we come back for a little Q&A discussion. Outstanding, Kim. Thank you, Jim, and and uh, and the rest of the team of panelists. I uh, appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to today's discussion. Uh, before we get started, I'll give a, a brief overview on who Power Design is. Uh, so we are a nationwide uh, design, build, multi-trade contractor. Uh, I represent our technology systems technologies team here in, in the United States. Uh, we operate currently in approximately 27 states and licenses in about 42. Um, it's uh, we have about 2,800 office employees, and we kind of ramp up and down with our field field staff. But right now we're somewhere in that 7,000 field staff range, and it's uh, it's very exciting. You know, um, you know, we talked a lot of earlier about how the industry is uh, is coming up to speed in regards to low voltage, and really how we're starting to power these buildings and thinking differently about outcomes. From a systems perspective here at Power Design, we talk a lot about outcome-driven engineering and design. You know, it's uh, you don't just integrate to integrate. We talk a lot about about how we focus, hyper-focus on outcomes, and we try to measure what uh, what we deliver. Um, and I think our claim to fame, uh, we always talk about, is obviously scale, but also you never want to install something if you've never operated it before. And we talk a lot about that. I think Elon earlier talked about that as well, and um, and that's something that we take a lot of pride in. As we uh, kind of move on here, um, you know, from a power design again, just another another minute here. Uh, these are we have a lot of uh, expertise 
uh, from a design, build, and support perspective across the different low voltage systems. You know, there's, uh, you know, I think from a low voltage perspective, you have code-based systems, which is fire alarm, public safety, DAS, but there's other systems that each of the representatives have talked about earlier from network to AV to security. <clears throat> So today I'm going to talk about some concepts and talk through, you know, uh, you know, more of an education piece, if you will. I won't get into the bits and bytes, uh, but I will talk through what we're seeing. And really the, the question to each of us as executives and, and decision makers, engineers, consultants is, you know, what, what lies next? What's going to come in the next five years? How can we prime our buildings or increase asset value, whether we're long-term holders, short-term holders, and really hyper-focus on those outcomes we were talking about earlier? So today, this is not, not a surprise. We look at this rainbow effect of how buildings are built. You know, uh, we have, you know, we have separate fire and life safety vendors. We have a separate lighting controls installer. We have another, um, another uh, you know, a parking deck utilization system. We see this time and time and time again. And the question, it begs the question, is there a better way that we can, that we can design and install a project? And I think as technologists, all of us would agree that the answer absolutely is yes. Uh, but to Kim's point, Jim's point, uh, and, and some of the other panelists' point, points earlier is, you know, you know, what a what is that answer? And b, some of this technology regarding power over Ethernet is not new. The power over Ethernet's been around for 20 years, but the way how we're leveraging the network to deliver these advanced services is the pedigree of, of of consultant or the pedigree of the type of integrator that we're leveraging now to touch a lot of these other parts. Uh, it, 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 there's an art to doing this. It's not just, you know, we're slapping things in. We're not just roughing in devices. So uh, we, we talk about the magic of programming, the magic of commissioning. We really focus on that, the, uh, the outcomes piece of it. And from there, we really start with something very simple. You know, you need to have a good set of drawings and a good set of standards uh, that does not have a duplicity of networks and does not have proprietary or, or siloed infrastructure. And if you can do that, and if you can get and fall in line with convergence, and we always talk about don't converge just to converge, converge because you're getting something tangible out of it. Um, there's no doubt, and we've proved this time and time again, that you 100% can have reduced costs. Now, cost comes in hard costs and soft costs, and we talk through that, and we always we talk through that with building owners. But, you know, we always talk about a good set of drawings. It starts with the design. If you can have a great set of drawings, if you can have a great constructability matrix where we're not having cables interfere with ductwork, you know, you should theoretically be able to put, put that to work. And, and, and that's really where uh, folks, uh, you know, like Elon was talking earlier, where, where uh, you, know, you know, those types of developers will start to succeed. We look at the traditional model in construction. I'll pick on construction for a second. And what we try to do at Power Design is we take the IT world, the OT world, and really layer on top this construction world. I think I think a lot of times, you know, we forget there is a constructability side of things, and we and we ask some some pretty tough questions. How can we deliver a better product alongside ownership and alongside the general contractor? And we always talk about keeping scopes where they should be, right? A lot of times, construction things get subbed and subbed and subbed out, and 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 that outcome becomes less and less clear as you go further and further down the scope, and you know, obviously there's, there's a great picture here, but whether or not you want to call it a technology contractor, technology integrator, master systems integrator, we talk about really keeping scopes where they belong with someone that can either self-perform or really focus on those outcomes. Again, going back to the outcome-driven engineering and design piece of it, so that ownership gets what they want. And most importantly, when construction's said and done, they can operate the system easy and efficiently. And, and this is really what we talked about early on at the, on the call of reducing waste. 
really paying attention to the environment, uh, reducing waste, not, not just physical waste, but also on the energy side of things. And that's really where things start to be very, very compelling. Here, we give an example of what we typically see regarding traditional drivers of waste, and we try to quantify them. I will tell you, this is years of, of, of construction projects and renovation projects and, and, and projects with IT executives where we start to see some of that waste. And I'll tell you, we're, we, 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 uh, we just took over a job uh, out west where we, we had six different low voltage contractors stepping on each other. And you, know, you, you could only imagine the headache that that CXO had uh, at that job uh, on that project. But again, uh, you know, if done right, if you're leveraging economies of scale, uh, you know, there's all the things from the carbon footprint to reducing energy waste to reducing physical waste. You typically start to see, conservatively speaking, somewhere in that 8 to 12 percent first cost reduction um, uh, in waste, which is huge. I will be the first to tell you if done correctly, you start to see numbers upwards of 20 percent, which is important to point out. And I, I have two more slides, I'll wrap it up, but you know, we always talk about reference architecture here at Power Design, and we talk about being able, whether you're a, a developer that has a multi-tenant building, um, if you're a hotel uh, that has residences on the site, and we talk about making sure that whomever you're working with, you know, ask those tough questions. Ask questions about the, the languages and the protocols they're going to use. Get away from the proprietary systems, even on the fire alarm side where, you know, they low bid a job or they low design a job and then you're hijacked into service and support. We talked about we talk about doing service based on merit. And um, I'll leave you with this. This is a pretty fun picture. Um, you may or may not. Oops, sorry. You may not may or may not have seen this before, but we always go back to design. You've got to make sure that what you're trying to achieve with the multitude of languages out there from BACnet to LAN to Modbus to IP to you know, um, RS-232, you've got to find a way to make these languages speak. And I always talk about the United Nations example. Kim, you've heard me talk about this before, where we have all those translators in our ears. And, and really, that's our job as technologists to make things more simplistic and easier in life. So I'll pause there. Fantastic. A um, lot of great information on these slides. So glad we can get them afterwards as well. Uh, there's some vendors and integrators on this call, um, and I think this question is helpful even for business owners and people in real estate. What opportunities are there for integrators to be more active and relevant in setting the stage for successful low voltage based smart building projects so we don't have these stories of taking over a project um, partway through, you know, how can we set it up for success? Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to the desire or willingness of, of your champion, uh, whether it's at the developer side or on the technology side to, you know, push the envelope. Those are the tough discussions that you need to have up front. We always talk about getting the project stakeholders in a room and, and it's challenging. It's not easy, right? Uh, you might have a budget coming from corporate real estate. You might have a budget if, if you're working at a bank coming from the security team. You might have a budget coming from uh, you know, from IT. So there is an art in understanding how to navigate those types of discussions. But most importantly, it's okay if you don't win the full integration package. If you do get the base hit with integrating access control and video surveillance, that's okay because a base hit's a lot further than you, you may get for, from versus rocking the scale with BMS, with shades, with car chargers, and the entire stack that we like to talk about in technology. So I always talk about having those hard conversations up front and starting with that and then letting those outcomes kind of kind of lay out, if you will. We have a question from the audience. I'm going to interject here as well. Do you find that owners and operators are moving towards these outcome-driven engineering um, goals at the same time and speed as space occupiers? Who's pushing, who's pulling, who's being dragged along? 
Not sure if there's a, an easy answer to that, but it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think it comes down to I always I always ask myself the question, you know, um, we see a lot of first and foremost, we start with, you know, what what project are we talking about? Who who owns the space and what are their interests? Right. So working with a, a developer right now where they're building the building, but they're not the one using the space. Right. So um, you, you've got you've got a little push and pull there. Uh, the tenant coming into that space wants things. Uh, they, they're they're very interested in POE lighting. Why? It allows for easier max. These are things we all know as technologists. Um, but there's fear and uncertainty with the general contractor who's doing that job because it's new, it's very far, and they think there's risk. So you know, I, I think the easiest way to answer that is always know your audience. Is this developer going to hold the asset? Or are they going to are they going to you know flip it in in five years or less? A right, and then from there you know, peeling back the onion and starting to have those business type of discussions. Um, you know, what we like to do is we get outside of technology often and we sit down with a developer and talk about how this asset type could impact either project performa A or B asset type and cap rate, right? Those are, there is an art to those types of discussions, especially if you're going to advise and give counsel to a developer, so. Well, thank you so much, Trent. Um, uh, as always, you know, this could be a topic of its own, uh, just as all the other speakers have have as well. But it's so fun to hear this perspective on the webinar today. Um, thank you. We'll bring you back here at the end. And we're going to move over to Giovanni Frezza from he's a senior director at CoreSync Technology at Molex. So Giovanni, thank you so much. You're going to be our final speaker today, so no pressure, but uh, You've had time to hear the conversation and we look forward to seeing what you have to add to it. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invite. I'm uh, very happy and glad to be here today with you and with this uh, audience. And uh, the topic I would like to bring today is about a case study. Uh, and I would like to read it a little bit in reverse where uh, the low voltage technology has not been overlooked what result did he produce? And so I would like to bring uh, this example that I think it's a good positive uh, uh, way that demonstrate uh, that there are tons of potential that we can realize as an industry moving forward. A little bit about myself. Uh, I lead in Molex uh, a, a, a business for uh, digital building a solution uh, for real estate uh, and smart building application. Majority of people may be familiar with Molex, like uh, an electronic company. There is very likely a Molex product in every uh, thing you're touching between your computer, your phone, uh, car, uh, a variety of electronic <clears throat> devices around the world. But uh, we have a group that specializes on network connected solution, and I lead that business. Um, in terms of this project and this case study, I would like to put in a context of why we are doing this. What, what, what the world is, what is the challenge we are facing as an industry in general? And it is a global uh, approach. Today, the building accounts for more than 40% of the energy consumption. Uh, that is translated overall in more around 36% of CO2 emission. Uh, and, and as you know, there is mandate, the Paris Agreement, but there are also local and regional um, 
law and regulation that are pushing and trying to support the goal to become uh, carbon neutral by 2050. Of course, this is not uh, an easy challenge for the industry. And I believe uh, this will be uh, bringing the attention to uh, the technology that has been overlooked uh, in the past. Um, <clears throat> the reason why the customer, um, or, or, or let me let me let me bring also another topic connected to the goal for Paris Agreement and the carbon neutrality. But in the industry, uh, there is uh, definitely a, a, a growing uh, drive. Uh, that is generated by corporate commitment ESG goal. Uh, this is a fact, this is a very important thing for the world and for the industry, but there is a problem and the problem is on the real estate um, workforce uh, and who's gonna support the ESG commitment. So there is anticipated a shortage of resource in the real estate industry, facility people, IT people, and, and, and in general, the facility and IP infrastructure people are not today necessarily up to speed or equip with, with product and tools uh, to manage demands uh, and an increasing workload to have this ESG goal in place. Moreover, we learned during the pandemic, uh, things change and, and, and there is a need to adjust, to adapt, to become flexible. A same building that, that has been designed for a certain scope may be shifting up and there is a need to adjust. So this brings up the attention to have a convergence backbone. We are uh, all probably the panelists today are talking about that, uh, the idea to converge the digital building infrastructure into a low voltage infrastructure. Technology is there. Uh, what that means, means that you start to put the foundation and on top of that, every building can start to have a digital building representation that allow flexibility and the ability to change uh, um, application uh, performance uh, where is needed. <clears throat> So what is Powerhouse? Powerhouse is a building that I would like to, um, to, 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 um, um, to talk about the, the, the case study. Powerhouse essentially is a building that produces more energy than what it consumes. It's an energy positive building. This uh, project has been uh, developed in, in agreement with Entra and a variety of partners that work with us. Um, what, what Powerhouse does, the Powerhouse has been a keep to really harvest energy from solar. And you may argue, okay, in Norway, up in the fjord, uh, yeah, the entire, the design of the building itself. So this building has been conceived since the beginning with this function in mind. And during the day, it, uh, it, gener it generates energy through a more than 3,000 square meter of solar panel on the uh, uh, on the <clears throat> surface of the building uh, and use it and distribute also to the community around itself. So it's a little power plant, if you want, uh, in the middle of the city. Trondheim is the fourth city in Norway. Uh, it's, 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 it's a student city with, with one of the largest uh, college uh, and university in Norway. Uh, and, and so you see a picture here where the bus is stopping by B, 
just at the entrance of the building to it's an electric bus and is charging itself for 15 minutes before continuing the loop uh, and serving the community around. Um, other technology has been used in this building, including uh, advanced heat pump, uh, using uh, the thermal mass of the building, using concrete with low emission, uh, and using an exchange of thermal, um, uh, thermal between the ocean and the building itself. Uh, so one of the problems that the building had, generating energy, is how we can be, that's how, how this building can be more efficient in consuming less energy and saving energy that he, he, harvests, he harvests. We started this project in 2018, 2019. We completed as Molex together with other partners, Cisco and GCI, the POE lighting that was the initial scope of the building. So we deployed the entire uh, low voltage digital infrastructure and POE lighting. Uh, uh, and then after uh, one year, pandemic arrived. Uh, and there was a kind of a couple of years where the customer had to rethink. Uh, there was a new need for flexibility. There was new need to change configuration and setting. There was new need to leverage a variety of data that were coming from the uh, intelligent building that was deployed uh, and being utilized in order to adjust and flexible, uh, continue to support the tenant uh, and the utilization of the space. So in 2023, uh, we arrived after uh, three years, essentially the project was completed from the physical low voltage infrastructure and we deploy a new layer. Uh, there was a digital building uh, software that harvested uh, the entire information coming from uh, the sensor and all the uh, variety. I think it was very insightful uh, because this translates the nature of the low voltage uh, convergent building infrastructure. Something that is by nature versatile, by nature flexible, and with software layer, you can start to create and to use new use cases. For example, space utilization became a very important topic for the customer. <clears throat> so this is in a nutshell, the technology we supported during the project. Uh, and I'll try to go a little faster because there are, uh, I think, short time. I don't want to bother for the technical uh, anatomy of the POE lighting infrastructure and beyond POE lighting, also plug load and a variety of other devices. Uh, but but in a nutshell, this is the size of the building. It's 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 350,000 square feet, where we deployed more than uh, 1,000 nodes, gateway POE uh, nodes, and it is. 2,800 uh, lights that are powered, of which 500 are POE, um, lighting emergency, uh, and a variety of sensors. You can see wire sensor more than 2,500, but there are also wider sensors. We are in the scope was uh, the entire POE distributed infrastructure. And I wanna mention distributed because in Europe, we have experience globally, and we are start to map the, 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 the deployment topic. In, in Europe, they prefer distributed, having CDB8 switch, Cisco 8 port in the ceiling instead of centralized as a, as a general. You're getting ahead of my 
you're getting ahead of my questions here, Giovanni. I I wanted to I, I do want to ask you that. I'm going to invite the rest of the panel to join. And while everyone's coming back for the final Q and A, let's let's let you continue that conversation. And I do want to open it up to the other panelists if they have anything to add to this question, because I think Giovanni was going in a very interesting direction. Low voltage technology is often a pretty global standard or a more globalized, like for example, power over ethernet is a global standard, but there's still differences internationally. So Giovanni, um, design preferences can vary. You started talking a little bit there. Um, what sorts of similarities and differences do you see in low voltage styles of deployment for digital building applications globally? And the rest of the panelists, if you have any commentary after Giovanni here, feel free to add. So when we talk about POE lighting in particular, like the main uh, massive infrastructure, and, and, and Farouk touched at the beginning of the, of the um, session about why lighting, lighting was the entry point, but we are going beyond lighting. But lighting as a characteristic is massive, has a large size, and it is uh, really an infrastructure can host uh, a variety of additional sensing element that will make so when we uh, when we start to deploy building in north america or in europe one of the main difference we notice is that the industry in europe prefer a distributed way for many reasons uh, probably labor probably uh, and maybe europe and, and, and overseas not just a monolithic country so there is difference there too but in general we found this commonality there is no really big difference between low voltage and high voltage labor. And so uh, the ability to use a compact switch network uh, power supply with Ethernet base uh, in the ceiling is offering a saving in terms of uh, cable infrastructure, in terms of uh, uh, installation. In the powerhouse, in the slides that the audience can, uh, can, can yeah. collect, there is there is one number, the number of steel that has been saved by the project and copper that has been saved by the project. We don't look usually to these things, always energy and other topic, but material There's, is also important. Yes, so I think that is the main difference. Yeah. US centralized Fantastic. the majority. Yeah. And real quick, I know um, we'll move in because I actually I think the ROI question is what I want to throw to the panelists next. But Farouk, I do know that your team has done um, some international projects as well. And, and if anyone else here wants to chime in, is there anything from a design perspective that you've really noticed is different? Or are you finding that, you know, it's really a lot more in terms of commonality, like there's a lot more commonalities and differences? So interestingly, uh, you can hear me, right? Yes, okay. thank you. Um, PoE is a universal standard. So interestingly, this adoptability is much more easier as compared to traditional AC, which could be 120, 110, 220, 60 hertz, 50 hertz, you know. So PoE becomes a universal standard. And secondly, almost every organization has some expertise in-house. They have computers, phone systems. So they are familiar with it, you know. So it's not an entirely new technology. It's just extending it to include lighting and other features. My only challenge is the import duties in Europe, which kind of surprised us in our project. Uh, otherwise, our client is very happy. It's a beautiful five-star hotel in downtown uh, Porto. And with that developer, they own many hotels. Uh, they are introducing us to 
many other um, companies in Europe. So we are very excited. I recently came from a conference in Barcelona, the Smart Cities Conference. I feel Europeans have a lot more interest in sustainable, low-voltage options than, uh, and I, I'm just saying it as an observation, than when I'm in co at conferences in America, you know. Elon and Trent in particular, I'm wondering if you agree with that statement. Um, and if if it's not sustainability drive adoption of low voltage technology here, what, what do you think the biggest um, driver is? I think that you need to differentiate yourself from the others. Uh, and that's what a lot of real estate companies are trying to do today. So I think that as, as we say that there is savings, uh, in materials, there are savings in labor, uh, there could be speed of delivery, um, there could also be a sustainability and a marketing story here. And that could also sometimes be more powerful than the savings that you're bringing in. And, and, and that is something that may change it a little bit. I think it's the way it's being sold and the value that it brings that uh, apart from just turning on and off the lights, um, that, that will really differentiate it and make it uh, much more, uh, much more, much more, much of a trend that will be adopted in the industry. Yeah, I'll add. We we talk a lot about the the experience. You heard me talk about that earlier. Um, depending on the asset type, the the employee experience, the guest experience. We talk a lot about the sidewalk to the sofa in these buildings that are split buildings where you have, you know, park uh, mixed use, if you will, you know, commercial, uh, residential things like that. So. You know, we talk about that, but we can't forget, um, you know, uh, Elon hit on a good thing. There's there's still a feed component to this. And that's the whole outside world with the ISPs and making sure we don't forget about that. That obviously plays a big deal. And what we didn't talk about today was the big data side of things. You know, all of these systems are serving up data that, you know, historically may or may not have been used. Um, and, and now, you know, you know, once once that data is analyzed, you know, how are you doing? What are you doing with it to either have that feedback loop to the developer, to the architect, to the, um, you know, uh, to to the person in IT that may be managing the boardroom? Um, at, because at the end of the day, I always go back to what are the three largest consumers of spend in, in any building, whether it's, uh, you know, if you're a developer or an end user, it's, it's, it's your corporate real estate space, it's your utilities and it's your employees or your people. So if you can find a way to make a dent in one of those three, then then ultimately there, there's your ROI. And if, if it happens to be POE playing a role in that, which I think all of us are advocates of, uh, then then it's a win-win. Uh, I'll, I'll add uh, regarding commonality, uh, the, the USB-C uh, is, uh, was primarily uh, driven by the European Union. Uh, the, country of India has uh, harmonized with it. Uh, this, there's a bill pending in the California state legislature that harmonizes with it. Apple has adopted it. Uh, so all the end use devices are, at, at, or many of them, or most of them at, in, in the next few years are all gonna be powered through USB-C. And that's gonna be true around the world. And that simplifies things for everyone. Absolutely, um, and that'll help the 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 global application, right? So you can take innovations from one country, bring them to other countries, and hopefully, aside from maybe some tariffs that you run into along the way, it's relatively smooth sailing and implementation, and make these stories a lot more successful. Um, you know, I think 
something that's been coming up here a little bit as well is picking good partners, right? Like that's part of the process. And we have a couple, we have people on this webinar who are vendors um, and then people who are more the decision makers. Uh, and I'd like from each of you to talk about either what you look for in a vendor or partner in particular in this low voltage space to set yourself up for success, or as a vendor, you know, what do you think is valuable that you bring to the relationship? Um, and I, I think maybe uh, uh, I'll, I'll call out um, Farouk first since we kicked it off with, with you after Giovanni and we can, I'll just let you um, bring it in bring in the conversation as you as you see fit here to the rest of the panelists so my personal take is i'm a developer before i got into this industry and half the people speakers today i'm uh, personally friends with uh, trent gave me a wonderful tour of his facility and i thought i've never felt such a vip when i got picked up by his team and i got a tour of their facility i think um personally as a owner we are purely focused on developing um, low voltage DC devices, uh, working with partners like LG, Intel. Um, while I was on this call, LG just confirmed a visit next week where we have agreed to make full size TVs. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, 55 inch LED TVs and air conditioning system uh, to go towards Ethernet PoE power those will be big deals for the industry because the more and more devices you can do and and bring down your copper i mean we've done a study uh, with our infrastructure low voltage infrastructure it's 80 percent saving of copper in a building and copper prices will quadruple in the next few years there's only so much copper in the ground and if all the electrification for ev chargers goes through i don't think so there'll be enough electrical contractors and copper out there for them. So our technology almost takes 50% scope in a hotel. I can speak about it because I develop hotels away from electrician. And we're not trying to take a job away from electrician. We still work underneath an electrician. I mean, he is still the main contractor, the owner and GC deals with. We can work right underneath him and have half of the scope, which is all the lighting controls and everything done by a low voltage contractor. I see in the next few years, this will really take off. This technology will be people, most developers are still wanting to see more projects done. Um, this industry doesn't have a lot of risk takers. Um, building owners are traditionally very conservative. Um, that's why I say there hasn't been a lot of innovation in building construction uh, as compared to other industries, but I see a change coming very soon. Thank you. I think Trent, you're a natural next speaker since you were referenced in this. Um, whether you want to respond to Farouk and add or um, you know discuss that vendor relationship a little bit further. Yeah, I mean it's it's I'm, I'm, it's not a one size fits all answer here, so I'm very careful to to make a blanket statement. We, we, one of the northern stars that we talk about is, you know, post-construction, post-project, you know, the operation side of things. It's one thing to, to support and service something. It's another thing to operate it 24 by 7, which is, Elon, I'm sure what you and your team are doing, you know, day in and day out and Farouk with his properties. And it, 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 you have to understand that world. And we always talk about 
work with, try to work with, you know, companies that fit your model, right? You know, uh, I, I, don't want, I don't claim to know Elon's model, but I, I know, you know, he, he probably has an operate model as does Farouk, but try to bring value to that developer or our IT or OT candidate and, 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 and be, be open, be flexible, be agile in how you support them. Um, whether it's a, 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 you know, I don't like to use the word outsource, but if it is, it is, if it's, if it's a support, or if it's a piece of it to assist, but be very careful because, you know, we talk about this all the time. We've, we've got uh, over 50 takeover projects going on right now where someone claimed to be someone they were, they were, and, and, and they were not, and that, and that's problematic in this space. Um, and so we're, you know, I think as Realcom, we could probably give some best practices as, as you know, some, some great friends here on the phone here, maybe, maybe a, a checklist to look for. Again, it's not a one size fits all answer, but things to keep in mind when doing that selection, if you will. You know, um, you know, there, there was a company years ago that, you know, uh, they were, they acted large, bigger than they were and, and they, they had no cash flow. And then that ultimately hurt the brand of what we're all trying to push here. So it's, uh, it's just things like that, the business side, the technical side, the service and support side, things that we all know as, as businessmen and women. Um, and I hate to keep it so simple, but we come back to those fundamentals. I'm going to sneak in, I think, Bob and Giovanni next, because what's interesting is, you know, they supply, right? They, they'd be a vendor. They supply. We've got a large established vendor and a startup vendor. So I'd love to hear, uh, maybe Giovanni, do you have any responses to this or, or tips that you found have worked well? And then, Bob, I'll ask the same from you as, a, as someone in the startup world. One hundred percent. I think Kim, uh, we acknowledge as 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 a vendor, as Molex, as a technology provider, and we like to call ourselves a technology provider. In other words, the product and the technology we support uh, require service to be go to fruition, and so we are in need of partner that we call VAR, value added seller, system integrator. Company that are able to understand the technology design, install, commission, and support day to project. Why this is important and why we need to scale this up to the next level, uh, it's easy to do one project and, and walk away. What we are trying to achieve is going to scale and having the ability to support our customer and our building in the life cycle of a building. It is not just completing a project in a few months, and then leaving, but this technology is what we have seen as the ability to harvest and to evolve. And when you put the infrastructure, so we're looking for what we call system integrator, but in particular, personally, from Molex, what we believe is the key element today that we need to, as an industry breakthrough, is the design consultant, the specifier. We need to bring this technology in the end of the designer, the specifier, and the project need to be started to be specified low voltage since the beginning, not converting a low voltage building that has been designed to be line voltage or traditional with all the silos that are there. And so I think that if I need to put one top, one, one focus community that I'm interested particularly in are designer, specifier, uh, design consultant and MEP field. Excellent advice there. Um, we're we're going to get to can I add one thing? Sorry, one thing. I would like to add one second. That, that for example, and this is a complex, a complex relationship because we don't sell to them. We don't. So we partner with them 
we work with them, we, we try to specify technology inside, but there is no commercial relationship between a vendor like Molex and a design consultant. And so this can make things a little bit like a community-wise uh, effort that need to be uh, brought to the, uh, to the attention, in my opinion. Thank you. Elon and Bob, any responses here? I want to. Yes, uh, I, I'm going to. Uh, Elon, you might have one... been on mute. I'm sorry. Bob got I'm there sorry. first. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I want to talk about quality. And it, it, as a supplier, uh, we have to do what we say we're going to do. And and be and supply quality is about being reliable about about life cycle. It, it, um, it, and so I I know that we're a startup, but we've paid a lot of attention to what our, how our supply chain is put together and and the reliability of the partners we have in that. Uh, the uh, making sure everything passes every agency uh, uh, as it should, but making sure that that we can deliver, uh, making sure that we don't have freight damage, making sure that 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 the that uh, a project goes smoothly. And so those are maybe things every business should do. But it, it, we're talking about a new technology here, and we can't stumble as as we come out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're small, you often are not given multiple chances. So Elon, yes. um, a lot of thoughts have come here and I think you're very well positioned to to give us uh, some great closing thoughts. Well, I'm I come from the I come from your client. I'm the one that ends up using it. Very similar to Farouk, but Farouk has the has the benefit of developing it from the ground down. I actually have to purchase it or implement it and integrate it. And like Trent said, this is a big barrier that I have to go through, which is a generation gap that is or, or like literally set the new the new pace of you know, what is the future of how this is going to going to work and really break down molds that have been there for centuries so it really you know the, the vendor that you pick at the end of the day has to give you assurance has to take some level of liability has to give you comfort has to give you assurance that they're going to be there because we're going to we're taking this leap we are the owners, we are spending the money, we are now have customers, tenants coming into this building, clients that are coming into this building. For us to make that leap, the vendor has to really, really give us that warm and fuzzy and really give us that assurance that it will work. And if it doesn't, which there will be hiccups like everywhere else, they will be there and take ownership and liability and empathy and, and be empathetic with us on, on what we're going through. And I think that it's not just buying hardware and implementing technology, like 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 Robert said, this is something that in order to break that mold, we're gonna need a lot of help from those vendors software. Wonderful. Um, I, I would love to keep asking questions, but I also know with four minutes left, we're really not there. Um, I think uh, if there's any final thoughts, uh, Mimi, Elon, and Trent, and Farouk, especially from that implementation side on a prediction you see uh, in the future. And if we've got time, I, I, I don't know. Chuck, are we out I of like time? You're good. Oh, you're good, because I was going to ask you a question. Let's go with yours first. Okay. My prediction? I, I was going to ask My you. Prediction. Yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, I, I think uh, AI is not a trend. We're going to see a lot of it, but I don't think we're going to see the useful application of it for a few more years. I think there's going to be a lot of testing it out. So that's that's where I would go. I don't want to take up too much time, but. Um, no, you're good. Look. All right, Trent, did you have a thought on that AI? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure if it's AI specific, but I'll piggyback off, off of what Jim Young opened up with. I mean, you know, he's been in the industry for a long time and he's a lot has changed in the last 20 years. I think the next the next five to 10 are going to be critical with this with this um, with technology and where it's going and through hit it on the head in regards to, you know, copper and, and trying to look at things differently. And I love, Elon, what you're doing with the Innovation Lab. Uh, I think this this team, the Realcom, uh, you know, platform is really going to serve uh, our, the, the folks that are interested in, in this space well. And uh, I'm thrilled to be a part of the family here. And I hope everyone takes advantage of these uh, of these thought leaders and, and just uses and asks the right questions. So I know it's uh, not not the not the, the techie question you wanted to answer, but 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 leverage leverage this team and this family of uh, that's come together under under Jim and Howard's umbrella. So, all right, Ilan, I'll come back to you. Last last thought, twenty seconds or so. Have to uh, in, integrate and implement new solutions, new technology, and play with things that you may not be comfortable with. I think that uh, low voltage lighting will become a regulatory component in the commercial real estate world. And if you're not going to be familiar with it, you're going to be hit and you're not going to be able to recover very quickly. Okay. Uh, you know what? It's uh, uh, 88 minutes into the webinar, and uh, I will tell people to mark their. Uh, this on the recording uh, to say if you want to hear the, your final bit of advice move it right there Elon thanks for that uh, thank you Kim just a great job with the uh, moderating uh, obviously you've done this many times before so uh, you know a lot of voices a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts we did uh, this is probably the most active live audience that I've seen. You, if you if you all saw all those questions came in, I have them all captured. So I'll send them to you right after this. You can reply directly to the individuals. Ian can provide you their email address. Um, and thanks, yeah, so thanks to the panelists really and, and to the live audience for just being so active. I just really enjoyed it. And whether you've joined us uh, live or you're watching this as a recording, uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, be sure to register for our next webinar. You think this one was hot? How about this? Elevate in-building connectivity, coverage of PropTech user experiences, discussing 5G, DAS, CBRS, Wi-Fi, in-building connectivity. Oh my goodness. Uh, great panel and great discussion. So, uh, and then also, uh, especially for those that want to join the the uh, board advisory board for the low voltage or uh, be sure to register for realcom ibcom it's happening june 20 and 21st uh, there'll be pre-conference events it's in tampa florida convention center a great place probably probably will be one of the best places that realcom has ever hosted so you don't if you don't if you've never been to one just saying you don't want to miss this one so uh that's it we're out of time i wish you all well be safe and uh we'll see you again in june how about that cheers thank, thank you. you thank you thank you, you. take care bye. everyone thank bye. you thank you very much